right, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Black Coffee. I am, of course, joined by the Nigerian Queen, the, <laughs> but yeah. the Queen of Crenshaw, um, <laughs> Jane, Miss Jane A. And we are also Jane, uh, joined today by some very good friends of ours. Um, yeah, we have Mariah and Jackie. Uh, nice how about y'all introduce yourselves? Whoever wants to go first. I think, yeah, yeah Jackie, you can take it away. everyone it's your girl jack jack i'm so happy to be on today um i currently live in virginia shout out to the dmv um occupation i am a nurse and i met everybody through african student association back at csub mm -hmm. and mariah hey everyone i'm mariah olujimu i'm from sunny california aka the Los Angeles area, but I currently live in Central Valley. I am now a social media manager at a publicly traded company. And I know all of my amazing friends from CSUV, aka Cal State Bakersfield, go runners. Go runners. <laughs> and I'm the current reigning Miss High Desert USA. And I am a part-time confidence coach. So I'm really excited for today's podcast. Yes, indeed. It's a jack of all trades. Um, you know, we all met uh, back in the uh, back in undergrad days, ASA, and you know, we stuck like family. You know, um, and love you, love you guys dearly. Um, how's y'all week going? How y'all been? It's it's still summertime. What's going on in y'all lives? As you can tell, my voice is gone because mm. back this session, and you you've been kid. smoking. You been no, smoking? No, no, I don't smoke. These kids are giving the run for my money. That's why my voice is like this. But yeah, I'm I'm doing good, Julius. Good, good, good. Same here. Uh, what about y'all? I mean, work. I feel like made my hot girl summer summer into a hustle girl summer. Like mm. I had sixteen hours of meetings. I mean, I work remote, but you know, they, they made me earn my check this week and I'm kind of bitter about it, but I mean, I had a really good week. I'm just blessed to even just have the opportunity to work from home, but man, being on the screen is just so draining and it's really important to have that time for self-care. So that's what I've been trying to prioritize this weekend. That is so important. How you doing, Jackie? My week has been super busy. Um, so I officially started like night shift last week. So I've just been on night shift fatigue. I come home, sleep, and then repeat. So it's just been work, work, work right now. But I'm very grateful um, just to be where I am now. And like um, all the little time that I have just to like go out, go to the gym, you know, go for a walk just to clear my head um, has been helping me like, you know, keep in it going and stuff so yeah i'm grateful for that that's good amen amen to that well um you know we there's a kind of recurring theme is self-care mental health uh the queen jane always says um your health, health is wealth. your wealth yes, yes. And so today we have a very important uh, and very intriguing topic today, and that is the effect of social media on mental health and stability. Um, 
And so, you know, was it earlier this week, I saw a post, um, I think CNN posted on Instagram. Uh, what's the name of that actor, Jane? Um, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Um, basically, you know, was saying that he was going to take a break from social media um, because, you know, of its detrimental effects. And so I wanted to kind of pitch this question to y'all um, and, and anyone could start, you know, um, can take it off first. How has social media affected you mentally, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally? How has it shaped who you are and, and what's your like personal experience with it? I mean, yeah, to start off with um, working in social media full time and also just being a content creator independently, I'm constantly on social media. And of course, like I'm obsessed with it. But even just in my humble beginnings of social media, when, you know, MySpace was coming out and Facebook was mm. a see, um, I was bullied a lot throughout my life. And a lot of times um, in high school or middle school, I would have like my bullies would find me on Facebook or find me on MySpace and they would, you know, torment me and say crazy things. And I feel like that was like the start of when I realized like online culture is just absolutely toxic. And I had to remember like whatever people are really saying about me online um, is honestly just because there's some punks and they obviously can't say it to my face. And it's, and I had to learn how to not internalize a lot of that. So now that, you know, social media has become this more advanced thing and now I work in it full time, being a title holder, being someone who competes in pageants, you're always seeing criticism about you online. Mm -hmm. And I just honestly had to learn how to not internalize a lot of that and take the necessary breaks that I need to, because I feel like that's where a lot of people downfall is that you get so sucked into people talking about you online and what they're saying. And you really do have to take those necessary breaks because it is oversaturating. It does take a toll on your mental health. So that's kind of my experience now and how I had to learn at a really young age that social media is toxic. I would say for me, I have a love and hate relationship with social media. I, I, the What I love about it is like it introduces to new people and how they live and how they think and how they express themselves. But one thing I hated was like growing up, when it got super popular, it's more you start comparing yourself to other people. And you ask yourself, why I'm not getting the same attention that person is getting. I'm doing the exact mm. same thing, but my my goalposts are keep on getting moved and moved and moved. And that really hurt me a lot. They're also the image of women being shown on social media. Like you could work out seven days a week and you're feeling great. But once you open that app and you see these image of women, you be like, I'm not there yet. You constantly hating on yourself. You're hating on yourself. But as I got older and loving myself for who I am, I understand that the work I'm putting in for myself is for me. It's not for other people. What about you, Jackie? So growing up, social media, I feel like was more of like a negative thing because I was only posting as a way to like, boast about myself like I wasn't posting because I wanted to post it was just like okay they're posting this let me outdo them you know what I'm saying mm. like it, it didn't come from like a genuine place when I was posting and I felt like I had to keep up with like the latest trends I gotta look like this I gotta edit this I gotta filter out I gotta tuck my tummy like literally editing 
for no reason to look like the next person when I should have just been comfortable with myself. But now I see social media as a great platform to connect with people and to, you know, occasionally post my achievements to encourage others. But I don't look at it in the light of I'm trying to outdo other people. Like, I honestly just see it as a way to like, you know, just show off like all the things that you have done as a way to encourage and then obviously to connect with people back home and all of that. But definitely back in the day, negative. Now it's definitely a positive thing for me. Mm. You know, that's interesting because I I feel like, you know, social media, it could be like a double-edged sword. You know, I think it, it, especially for like, you know, like for instance, us, we all live in different areas, um, but we're able to stay connected and like still in tune with each other's lives. And, and sometimes even on social media, you'll make friends with people who you've never met and probably would never meet, uh, but you guys are just cool. But then what worries me is the effect on body image, especially for young women. Um, because it's like, there's a certain look on social media that people kind of now have made seem like it's the norm. Um, and I'm curious, like, what is y'all experience, you know, especially being all beautiful young women? Um, how has that affected y'all in terms of how you view yourself, like physically and, and, you know, did you have any, or do you have any body dysmorphia stemming from that? Because this is a this is a growing issue. Uh, go ahead, Lauren. Yeah, um, I would say like my personal journey with like my body image and my body journey, mental health journey. Um, I already had before I was even on social media. I was already suffering from anorexia nervosa throughout my life that started coming back you know being a first generation Nigerian American and having growing growing up in that western society where thinness especially in the early 2000s was like seen as a standard of beauty adding on top of that I was an athlete adding on top of that um my family does have a history of obesity and heart disease and all this down the third so for my parents and intermediate family like that's some of our biggest fears is being overweight and then having all this these health complications so I always had body dysmorphia and anorexia growing up and one thing about social media that I have noticed especially working in social media and fashion especially is that certain body type and we all know that one brand that literally puts that one body type that has popularized plastic surgery um, it made it seem like it's the standard to ha- to make sure like clothes look good on you. Like it's to the point where we feel like we have to modify our bodies in order for clothing to look good on you. But one thing I had to learn, and the, I think the privilege that I have is that someone who works in fashion and is, and is a designer, knowing that my clothes don't have to look like that on me if I don't have that body. Like I have to understand my body type, understand the clothing that makes me feel the most comfortable so that I can be confidently beautiful. And I feel like now a lot of people don't really understand that. And that's causing a lot of people to have body dysmorphia and feel like in order for me to look good or in order for me for clothes to fit me or to be validated, 
is to wear, or, or sorry, <laughs> is to get plastic surgery, enhance my breasts and get a BBL or even just that face that we see a lot in makeup. Like we see a lot of non-women of color, even some women of color, getting lip fillers, getting Botox, getting the foxtail brow lift. And you you start to feel like, man, am I, like when I, you start seeing a wrinkle pop up or even you have some textured skin, you start to feel like you're not normal and you're not human because that's something you just constantly are fed on social media. And I would say it has taken a toll on me in terms of like how I present myself to others, like especially in its early stages of social media, I felt like I knew I was the queen of my own universe. I know I'm, I know I'm the bad bitch, you know? I heard <laughs> I that. that. I, I heard know. that. She's I know always I'm been cute. that. But I think <laughs> the issue is that, and I, I, I always say this, I know I'm cute and I, I don't need anyone's external validation, but I know that I might not be cute in a societal sense. I know I'm not the conventional beauty. And the conventional beauty now, I would say, is surgically enhanced bodies that we see on social media. Mm. I can I can relate to what you say, Mariah, about the body image. Uh, like for me, I've been pretty heavy my whole twenties, a little bit. So like, once you start losing weight, you feel happy. But when you hop on social media and you see these bodies, you're like. I'm not working hard enough because this is the body people find desirable. This is the look people want to see when they want to say, oh, I want to date you or they want to work with you. Even the job, even good in a job. If you don't look like this, you don't look presentable, you're not getting hired. I don't care what anybody and, says. And Jane, let me add something because we, we talked about it before. Even being friends huh? with yeah. someone because there are certain people who like yeah. their friends to look a certain way. Yeah. Right, right, and, and that that was hard for me to accept. That even some of your friends don't find you desirable. They will hang out with you, but they won't talk about you. They won't boast about you, but they good with you in the dark. But in the light, they won't gonna, they won't post you. You will say you will wave high in public. They look at you like a peasant. Like oh, people were literally saying like, oh, when all your friends are in the same aesthetic and it's like is that a requirement for your friendship is for all you guys to like yeah. be in the same aesthetic and look the same and <laughs> it was like a joke where they were like this is why you guys come back from Miami and not be friends anymore because you guys don't actually make genuine friendships it's more about the look and this than the third and not about the actual genuine per- like the person you know mm-hmm. and I feel like that's that's definitely a demise of this generation too I feel like we all want to be content creators we all want to be influencers and we see influencers who have you know friends that are somewhat in their same like they're all attractive like same all demographic attractive. same demographic like they all pretty much look the same and like they can actually genuinely be friends and they just all happen to be fine like they all just happen to be genuinely attractive like you know conventionally attractive so I think a lot of people try to emulate that and like Mm -hmm. that's not obviously the best way to go about making friends like that's absolutely asinine but yeah it's very interesting that people really do like try to make friends based off aesthetic it's scary then it also works on your trust like you tend not to trust people you tend not to open up to people because in their eyes, you're not desirable. In their eyes, they don't see nothing value for them to even talk about you amongst other people. 
So it tends like it makes you want to hold yourself to it, keep it to yourself. You don't want to talk to anyone. And it seemed like your circle gets smaller and smaller to the point that you did by yourself. Jackie, what's your what's your position on this? So I've struggled with body image since I can remember. Um, I've always been hefty. And I know like growing up, my mom would always like bring me down about my weight and about my acne. So those are like the two things that I'm like most insecure about. And, you know, going to school, middle school, high school, that was the period where I honestly felt the lowest in my self-esteem because people would point out these things that I was so insecure about. Oh, like you got a big butt or your thighs are too big. You can't even fit in the gym shorts to um, what's that on your face. Obviously, you know, it's acne. Why do you have to point it out? So I've always been like very like, I don't know, like just would always like wear clothes that were like super big to like hide my image. Um, I'd always put on so much makeup to hide my acne, rather it actually made it look worse. And that actually caused my acne to exacerbate even more. So like, throughout that period, I felt like I just like my self esteem was just continuously going low and low. And it wasn't until I would say maybe my sophomore or junior year of college when I was like, you know what, forget this, I'm going to go out without any makeup. If you like me, you like me. If you don't like my face, that's fine. Like, I just didn't care anymore. And then when I had done that, I started to notice, like, my face started clearing up a little bit. I started wearing shorts and I was actually comfortable doing it, you know? So little things like that, like, throughout my journey, like, I got definitely more comfortable. But, like, there are days where I still kind of don't get to the level where I want to be, but it's definitely better than where I was before. But I feel like a lot of the insecurities really stem from my childhood. And I, like, I can't be, what's the word? Like, I, I don't want to sit here and like blame my mom for everything. Like I definitely could have tuned that out, but like, as a kid, you just kind of like believe everything that your parents tell you, you become brainwashed. Okay. So you think I'm, you know, not as cute because I have acne. So I believe that. So it's just like, it was so hard to like get into that transition where, you know, I, you know, seen myself in the mirror and seen that, you know, I was beautiful and it doesn't matter if I have acne, like that's just a normal thing that everybody goes through. We all don't have perfect skin and it's okay. So it's just that like constant reminder now and reassurance, you know, looking at myself and being like, this is the best that you could be. And you are Jackie. And this is what makes you unique. I always try to tell myself that. And that's what's been helping me till this day. But um, yeah, body image is it's very it's very crazy. Um, but like. Um, I know like summer of 2017 or 2018, I went on like a three month um, workout regimen and I was able to lose 40 pounds. And that was like, the biggest, go ahead. Go <laughs> that ahead. Was, like, the biggest, um, accomplishment for me. And mm -hmm. just knowing that I could like actually get down to like my goal, not necessarily doing it to be skinny, but honestly, I had goals and I worked towards that and I was able to do mm -hmm. that. But even through that, like I had to come to that realization, like, okay, like I'm down 40 and I'm not like, skinny so it's like my mom like when she had seen that I you know lost the 40 pounds or whatever 
she was like commenting like on my thighs. She was like, your thighs are still big. And I'm like, well, this is me. Like I can't change wow. it. I'm 40 and I still have this. So obviously like it's a part of me. It's who I am. Like I can't change it. So I had to embrace that. So, um, yeah, honestly, that's just kind of like my journey with, um, body dysmorphia and like just image in general. Um, you know, I still struggle to this day, but it's definitely a lot better. You bring up some very good points, Jackie. Um, and I, that'll help us like turn this conversation to the, the, the next kind of stop. But I do want to put in like, you know, as a man, I think a lot of people, I won't say forget, but maybe just like, don't have in their heads that okay men can also be affected by social media as well and Absolutely. you know um at least for me personally you know same thing growing up I, I was bullied you know I you know see back you see now everybody loves them a chocolate man you Hello. know Hello. but back in the day we was burnt cookies African booty scratchers. Um, your mama oh, left you in the oven too long. Tar baby, all that. Tar baby. I've I've heard all of that growing up, especially in New York, um, where you just be on the train, you know, on the bus, mind your own business, and then a group of kids come on and oh yeah, you burnt cookie, burnt. And so that you know, for me, it never made me like hate my skin because I love being as dark as I am. Because usually, typically, I'm one of or the darkest person in the room in whatever social setting I am, but that makes me unique. And then, you know, I also struggled with, um, you know, like like acne at an early age. I think like I, I went into puberty quite early. I would say maybe like around 10. So I had really like bad, bad, you know, acne on my face. And, it, you know, for a long time, I didn't even want to look at my own self um, in the mirror. And so it took me a long time to kind of develop, okay, how do I take care of my skin? Now it's, it's in a much better place. And, you know, people have complimented and, and what now are asking me, like, what do I do to, to have gotten my skin so good? But it was a journey. And then even when it comes to like body image, you, you know, I think Jane and, and, and Jackie, you guys touched on this where, you know, you exercise as much as you can and whatever. Uh, and then you you go on social media and then you see, you know, you see a guy who's bigger than you, you know, or, you know, is more defined or has lower body fat. And so you're like, damn, I wish I could look like that at my weight and whatever. And you're like, oh, now I got to go back to the basics and so on. And, and I had to teach myself that everybody is different. You know, 190 on me looks totally different on somebody else you know, and somebody might carry that weight differently than I do. And that's okay. You know, or even with like life goals and whatnot, like you, you, I think a lot of like young people like us, you know, twenties and so on, you know, um, social media makes it seem like, oh, you have to accomplish all of this by this certain age. You know, you need to have your degree, you need to have your, uh, um, job, you know, your big girl, big boy job, um, you need to travel this and you see other people like, you know, Instagram famous people or whatnot, you know, traveling the world doing this at 25, 26, 24. And you're like, Ooh, I didn't travel there at that age. Like there's something wrong. And then you just realize it's like, you're only seeing a glimpse of that person's life. You know, you're only seeing what they want to show you. You don't know how they pay for that trip. It could have mm -hmm. been a 
sugar daddy or sugar mama, you oh know, um, hustling, or they go out on trips, but you know, it, it's 20 people to one room. So, you know, we don't know what, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not hating on that because if I do go on a trip, I got to save some money too. So we, we all going to get an Airbnb. So I, I ain't hating on that. <laughs> but Jackie, you brought up something good uh, and interesting how sometimes your own family, your own family, your own friends, your close relatives, whatever it is, will halt your progress on your body image, your mental growth. Sometimes they do more psychological damage than sometimes in the outside world. And I'm curious, like, what has your experience, especially growing up, I think all of us, you know, um, we are, we have parents who are first generation well, we're first-generation Africans, parents who were born on the continent. I'm half. My mom was from here, you know, but she got her little craziness too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um, that is going to allow us to take a little pivot to um, your own family and how sometimes their comments, <laughs> statements, they got to have their little two cents in your like how you look and appear your appearance um your growth on that so like jackie like what has your experience been especially having african parents and we know african parents they on another ball game absolutely absolutely so honestly i would say like my dad he just kind of like tag team with my mom on anything that she wanted to comment or how she thought about my body image which was like really annoying because it's like, you can't even like fend for me, you know? Cause me and my dad are very close and I like tell him about my struggles and stuff and he understands, but any situation where my mom picks up, you know, you know, you gain weight, you got to do this, you got to do that or else you won't get a husband. He's just quiet, you know? Well, that's so it's just like, I can't stand when thank I'm you. Especially growing up as a woman, like, they're always instilling okay what about your future husband what about your in-laws what about right. this How like can we worry about the present can we worry about me graduating college right because yeah. the whole time you're in college they tell you to focus on your books right <laughs> right it's, i always right. heard you can you can date until you're married but once mm. you graduate college it's about so where's your husband right exactly exactly we're gonna get your master's it's mm. hard. People, I'd be telling people, it's hard. You have to be mentally and physically ready to see your aunties, to see your mama, <laughs> to see your grandma, <laughs> see the long lost cousins. I'm not even joking. I remember the first time I went to Nigeria. People laughed about it, but I was like, it hurt me to the core. Mm. I remember we did a pit stop. We made a pit stop before we went to my dad's place. So, you know, we hungry. We stopped on the side when they're selling things. I hopped out the van. This lady screamed, she naked. America has come. Basically, it said, oh, my God, America has come. Because I was pretty a heavy teenager. And I looked wow. at this woman. I said, even as you poor, you still have the guts to say jokes? Damn. Where's that? I, I need that horn. I need that horn. <laughs> yes. Honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I nearly cried. I, though I kept like a straight face during that time, but when we got back in the van, I was in the van quiet. And it was a reality that I'm ugly. I'm huge. Like, 
no one sees you. They look at you like lazy and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mind you, wow. I'm playing basketball in high school. I'm running around doing this. I'm on a golf team. People might not think of a sport, but I'm moving my body. I'm doing something productive. But all that work, I'm still looking at a slob. And that shit hurt. Then on top of that, you have your mamas, your grandma with her 16th. Still got enough to tell you. <laughs> Not 16. Oh. Still got the nerve to tell you after all your hard work trying to lose weight, you need to do more. And after that point, you're like, man, fuck it. I'm just going to eat. I don't care. Right. Yeah, I don't know like in the journey I'm going on. I'm trying to be better for me and to actually you know as Nigerian kids, you are a trophy for your parents. They use you as a trophy because your accolades is their accolades. And Mm -hmm. they would not satisfy until I'm not a until I'm a size six. And and really I don't think I would ever reach a size six. So in my head, I'm gonna do the best I can to be healthy, not skinny. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'm gonna tell you, Jane, even when you or not when, even if you reach that status level of having that body that they encouraged you to have, they're still going to talk shit. They're, they're still going to talk. They're never going to be satisfied. Now, let's, now, obviously, I'm older, and, like, people are still commenting on my body to this day. Now, I compete in pageants. I'm working out, you know, I'm trying to, obviously, win. So, I'm trying to be as fit as possible, and they're even telling me now, like, oh, you're too skinny. Oh, you're too skinny. You need to start eating more. Like, you know, men, they like, they like girls with booty. They like girls with boobs. They like girls with tummy. But like when I was nine, you were telling me to stop eating pizza so I can find a husband. And I won't be <laughs> but now that I'm older and I'm fit, I everyone knows like I work out, like I'm an ex-athlete, like mm-hmm. I did cheer in college, gymnastics and track all throughout my life. So I'm still pretty fit. And they will still tell me like now that I'm too skinny, but before I was too big, even though I was a child who was wow. having the same body. So honestly, one thing about African aunties you got to learn is that they're going to project mm-hmm. so hard. They're going to mm-hmm. so hard on you and they become the bullies that bullied them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter, no matter what, there's nothing that you can do to satisfy them. So you always have to go into situations Trying to satisfy yourself. That's the only opinion that really matters. Because the African aunties are going to talk. They're going to talk right. because they're haters. And they're going to say... They're going through so much norm yeah. that did not advocate for them. They're in a culture that does not advocate for right. them. Right. That, that was not progressive. That their goal in life was to find a husband and if they got desperate they found a they found the husband but they didn't find the love of their life so now and you know what you bring up a very good point because i feel like a lot of people today try to find a husband or a wife but they don't try to find a lover or a partner thank you you know, and so because people people have to understand that we're going to age, we're going to change our looks. We ain't all gonna be fine like we are now. You know, we young, ain't got no wrinkles, we look good, you know, like you know, we're able to move. But like 
it's natural for humans to gain some weight as they age. It's natural for, I, for, I, for me, you know, I lost my hair at 22, <laughs> you know, and I just had to be okay with that. Um, and so life, like you want to evolve, you want to change. No one's, I mean, you know, there are some people who are able to look pretty much the same, you know, as they get into their 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond or whatever. And they, they still, you know, have a small frame or regular, whatever it is. But work, it, it's natural for people to, to, you know, change their, you know, the, their looks are going to change somewhat as they go throughout life. But for all these like stipulations being placed on women and especially in African households. And I, th I think just in the black diaspora in general, like, oh, you need to look this way so you can keep your man. Well, obviously, if he's your man, he should love you, you know, throughout all the changes, right. you right. know, because right. no one's no one stays the exact same way. You know, even throughout the year, we're going to gain a little bit. We might lose a little bit in the summertime, gain a little bit in the wintertime. That's just normal human you know, the normal human body. So um, if you're so worried about your daughter or your niece, you know, not keeping a husband because of, of weight changes, then you're teaching her the wrong thing. Let's even you're talk about keeping a husband. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. this trend, and I'm pretty sure like, you know, I'm not straight out of, you know, Nigeria. I'm still a first gen, but there's like this trend that we always say like, um, baby girl life till I die. I want to be a baby girl, you know? Because baby girl is someone who's spoiled by their sugar daddy. Mm -hmm. Who are those sugar daddies? They're not older single men, especially because they have money. Those men are for sure taken. But they're older married men who go after younger girls and, you know, give them the lifestyle they, that they dream of to have their money. And they have their wives at home. And those mm -hmm. wives are the angry African aunties that project. No, that I think if, if you're a fine babe like that and African aunties are yeah, 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 in your ear, they're probably getting cheated on by mm -hmm. their husband who's a sugar mm -hmm. daddy who has a baby girl, period. I saw your husband in right. baby. It's not your husband that's hitting on that little girl at the, at the bathroom. It's not your husband. <laughs> You know why? You know why I think that is. And I think uh, Jackie and I were talking about this the other day. And I think the way how a lot of societies, cultures, even here in America, how people are socialized. Uh, I want to say this, but um, see, women, especially when they're young, get to generally choose their sexual partners right um they, they have more control over like who they get to have sex with who they want to have sex with absolutely men rather though have more control over who they want to marry okay especially as they get older because in societies like america where everything's so youth focused we're so focused on women aging and their bodies changing and they're not being youthful anymore and they're not, nah, 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 nah. but then they always say, oh, men typically get more attractive as they get older and they're the ones who get to marry who they want versus an older woman or whatever. And that's, I think that's why we see a lot of these older women, you know, are bitter and jealous of their younger counterparts a lot of times because they weren't able to really marry who they want they, they, they sometimes they have to settle because oh this is 
we, we're in a world, we're in a society where there's not a lot of good men, you know, and so we settle for the one who accepts me right now. Of course, this is not true for everyone, but a lot of times we we settle, you know, women would settle for like um, the man who you know accepts them and, and is good to them and so on. But then as he gets older, he's going to want somebody younger, somebody quote unquote prettier, somebody quote unquote you know more in shape or whatever, or or just youthful and whatever. And I think that youthful culture does have a, a detrimental effect, you know, on. Um, are the bitter aunties, you know, Absolutely. where they cheating husbands, you know? Right. And I think that to touch back on like the topic of even this podcast of mental health, I think that's why mm-hmm. it's so important to teach young girls, especially like young African girls, confidence. And like, yes. also that's something I'm like absolutely mm-hmm. so passionate about, but it's, it's true. You have to really know how to be headstrong and only seek validation within yourself and accept and only accept the standards that you put out, not that your mom and dad told you to have, not what Instagram told you to have, but that you yourself want to have. This, this, these are the things I want in a partner. And if they're not bringing everything for me, it's right. a wrap. Yeah, I want to have a friendship. If you're not bringing these things, it's a wrap. And I feel like since it's a repeated cycle of bullying within. African aunties versus young adults and young children. If we break that cycle now where we don't become the aunties that we hated and we uplift our younger counterparts, we will break that cycle of for, like young adults marrying people that they clearly just are doing out of desperation and for that status and that respect and to show that life accomplishment, like, look, I did it. I got married versus actually finding a partner that they generally want. They can see themselves with for the rest of their life and that they're actually happy with. Right. right. So I think that would that is- make a lot of things within the mental health in the African community is right. teaching our younger counterparts confidence and making that the standard. That that's very true. I I believe it starts at home. What are we putting in, you know, these kids' minds? You know, little girls that oh, you have to be this certain way, and like oh, you have to be a mother and you have to be a wife. Well, not every not every girl woman wants to be a wife or a mother. There's some women out there who are perfect who are perfectly fine without having kids. Mm-hmm. Or perfectly fine just having casual relationships while she focuses on her business or her education mm-hmm. or her attainment and career. So people have to stop placing, oh, you have to be married and you have to be a wife and you have to submit to your husband, whatever, while he gets to do whatever he wants. And then we also have to put in those little boys' heads, that's not how you treat your yes. partner. Yes. Right. That is not how you you value, you know, your life partner. You know, because a lot of times we we say, oh, we need to teach the girls this when they're kids, but then we, we forget about the boys. Oh, yeah. And then we wonder why we grew up and we're living in a society with men who don't know how to be gentlemen, you know, who don't know how to be respectful, you know, who don't know how to um, see past the physical, yeah. you know, and so or on. See their partner as a, or see other women as actual people. As actual right. people and not objects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not objects. There's Thank something you. I saw on Twitter where, um, I guess it was like a study, don't quote me, don't at me, but it was a study where um, they were testing to see how 
men see their their mothers and they see them as caretakers, mm. their cooks, their sh- the chauffeurs, but they don't see them as actual people. So when people say, oh, he has such a good relationship with his mom, he's a mama's boy, how could you ever treat your girlfriend like that? Because he doesn't see his mom as his mom or as his mm-hmm. parent or as a person. He sees his mom as his caretaker, as someone who's wiped his booty, as someone who nurtures him. He runs to when he's in trouble. Right. He sees sees his mom as his therapist, his babysitter, not as an actual person. So, oh yeah, I think it absolutely does start at home. And we absolutely have to start holding our men accountable and, you know, raising them in a way that breaks that cycle of hyper-masculinity, toxic masculinity, and, you know, treating women in a patriarchal society with, without any, you know, sorry. Care or the world. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you know what? You, 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 that's interesting. I'm going to cut you off, Jane, but I, let me just get, let me okay, just get okay, here okay. right here because you like that study, you know, I've heard that before. Oh, like he's a mama's boy and he has a good relationship with his mama and so on. But I laugh at all. And cause I have a few of them in my family who, you know, again, I I'm, don't care who you want to date, race, F, ethnicity-wise, but there's some of these men who, oh, I won't date a dark-skinned woman or a Black woman or uh, an overset woman when their mamas fit all of that characteristic. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. so when people don't don't just look at his relationship with his mama because not that doesn't always dictate how he he might love and respect his mother mm-hmm. even without seeing her as the you know just seeing her as a, as a caretaker kind of position but not respect you know his partners and so on. So uh, I just want to add that in. But what, what did you want to say Jane? Because uh, when I said African moms I African moms is the reason why some men act the way they act because when you say it starts in the household, you see how they put all this pressure on the girls in the house. But the boys can let them be loose. They can do whatever they want. Yep. They can do no wrong. When they do right. wrong, they might have their backs. But let you break a glass in the house. Let mm-hmm. you don't come back during curfew time. Let you be out just being the good girl you are in the head. Oh, you're a prostitute. Your legs are open. You're not yep. doing this. Why are you doing mm. this? But you said, but... Wasn't it just not just coming home? You know, he's a boy. He, he, you know, they don't do this. But boys could get women pregnant. Boys could be violent. Boys could be <laughs> useless. Why? Everything is on women. That when you say start at home, oh, I was like, oh, some of these things with Nigerian men, or let me just say African men. I'm gonna talk about my people. Nigerian men starts with the moms. Absolutely, and that's what we call adultification of black women, where you are the caretaker, the cook, the clean in the household. The oldest daughter, the eldest daughter is seen as a mother and the caretaker to the younger kids. I mean, obviously I'm not the oldest child. I'm the middle child, but still like those um, those standards for women in an African home versus standards for men are completely different. Men are actually able to be kids. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, play girl before they can do that. And I feel exactly. like men, like I feel like African men, like um, they get spoon fed a lot. Like they expect us to grow mature at a very fast rate, cook, mm-hmm. 
clean, um, you know, do laundry for them, like the whole nine. I don't know about you guys' experience, but I actually had to do my parents' laundry. Wash, yeah. folded, put on their wow. bed, their bathroom, cook for my dad. Like I had to do these things. These were expectations. They were not um, volunteer. Like I, like I had to do it or else I'm not going to sleep that night. You know what I'm saying? But I look at my brother's they were chilling. They were not expected to do one goddamn thing. Yes, they could cook and stuff, but like they weren't really cleaning on Saturdays and helping us out. They weren't going out and doing the groceries. None of that. That was all expected on us women. And that was very frustrating. And obviously then it's just like, I'm doing it because I'm told to do it. And I just think that's the norm. But like looking back, that was not okay at all. I know. Like, They could do it too. Let's split it up. Let's divvy it up. Let's be equal. And I hate how African um, households are just so gung-ho about women doing this and women doing that. And that's why I feel like, um, especially like, um, like the, our parents' generation and stuff, like, Mm. that's why I feel like men are so, like the African men, like their husbands are so like, What's the word? Careless. I want to be careful here. If the wife is not doing certain things, like they get violent. Like they get like, you yeah. know what I mean? They're abusive. They're like, okay, because yeah. that is the standard that they were taught. They were taught yeah. that to find the, the the woman that you want to find to marry, she needs to know how to cook, clean. Have y'all seen African traditional ceremonies? Yes. Make them like <laughs> I know the I re- think- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've yeah. literally seen someone it's like, oh, feed your husband, the first uh-huh. cake, like just like submissive stuff. And mm-hmm. also like that trend where you know you bring, let's say, let's say the husband or the fiance, the, the man brings his fiance to meet the parents and she's expected to cook in the kitchen with the mom and clean and serve food as if she's not a guest in the house right but vice versa if the roles are reversed and the woman brings her you know fiance to the her parents house he's also to cook and clean and help in the kitchen he's you know he's doing he's watching he's just uh, chilling he's chilling <laughs> The dad, <laughs> you know, doing this down the third, and you literally see that from the start. Like that is just the start, and that's that's their standard. And if the woman refuses to do that in the in the in her fiance's parents' home, oh, she says, "Why are you making this girl? She's disrespectful. She right. can't help out." And you, and you know what? You know, I don't even think it's just an African household thing. I see that. I see this throughout the entire Black diaspora. You know, because, yeah, I I saw it on, you know, my African side, but, you know, also my mom being black American, like now she has all boys, my two, my two older brothers, whatever. And I noticed how black women, especially older black women, their sons can do no wrong. He could have five baby mamas, go back and forth to jail. That's my baby. You know, he he's living up in mama's house till 30, 40 years old. Don't do nothing, not a job, you know, nothing productive in life, but that's her baby. But let her daughter do that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You got to get out. Mm-hmm. So many young black women have been kicked out their mamas. And I'm not saying every black mama's like this, every African mama's like this, but a lot of times I've because I've seen, even though my mom only has boys, I love my mama dearly, but she spo- she spoiled us. Not, I mean, we we turned out 
well, I turned out good. Uh, <laughs> and my little brother turned out good. But, you know, my, old, my oldest brother, as much as I love him, you know, back and forth in the, in the system, not taking care of his kids, whatever. And I always wonder, hmm, had my oldest brother been a female, would mom accept that kind of behavior? Because I see how she, she, my mom has gotten into like, if if her niece does one thing wrong, she's done. She don't like she that she don't want to talk to her for years, whatever, and so on. I'm like, mom, you, you can't do that, whatever. But then she don't treat. And so it's like, why why do we coddle, you know, these boys, men, you know, grown men, you know, and then question why don't you know why is there a lack of good men around and so on? Well, that it stems at home. It stems how you raise them, how you socialize them. You know, you're so quick to kick your daughter out at 18, talking about you on your own, you're a grown woman, even though she might not be able to fend for herself or know, uh, you know, what the tools it is to, to be an early uh, young adult. But then your son is living up to living in the house until the day you die. Yep. I, I don't get it. I, I have neighbors like that. I, I, I've, I've seen it with my neighbor. Like, there's an elderly lady. She's like, well, she's gone now, but she was like in her 80s. And she had four, like, boy children, and then she had one daughter. Oh, she could not stand her daughter. Shimon, anytime they used to get in an argument, get out my house. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? They... <laughs> <laughs> rest in peace miss bessie i loved you but man like you you gave you gave your daughter some some tough tough love but then you know she had a son who was in his 60s still living with his mama and no job not taking care of his kids not even involved in his grandkids life that's sad in my opinion i know i'm named you from they probably won't listen to this but <laughs> <laughs> so yes i think the the core takeaway here is we really have to go back to the basics and look at how we're raising our kids boys and girls and start changing that very antiquated old school hyper masculine mindset that turns into this toxic ball of energy and then we wonder why there's so many failed relationships so many failed marriages even friendships you know, because of this behavior as, as, as we get older. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. like, have, have any of you guys like attended a therapy session or like a psych evaluation? When mm-hmm. you're about to see mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> yes. Look, and they always ask you questions about your childhood. And have you ever just sat there and were telling them about your childhood explaining? It's like, look, I'm coming here about my current problem. I can't pass this class because I'm crying to myself to sleep every night. But you ask me about how my parents were treating me growing up, but it's, it's because it starts from your childhood. Yeah. Everything starts from your childhood. Why, why, why you do the things you do, mm-hmm. you know, the choices you make, the, you know, the way you choose to live your life, that all stems from your childhood, your traumas, your fears, your habits, mm-hmm. they all stem from home in your childhood. So Junius, to your point, you're absolutely right. Like it, it starts from home. You got. It starts from the way these parents are raising their kids, and the better we get at that as a community, as an Afro diaspora, mm-hmm. uh, I think we can see a lot of strong progress in the future. Jackie, you have any any last statements here? 
I do. Um, I completely agree with what Mariah was saying and what you were saying before her. I just honestly feel like if men in the household are doing chores and having that responsibility and accountability, it's going to help them in their interpersonal relationships in general. It's going to help them be a good communicator because you're communicating with the other family members. Okay, who's doing what? How are we splitting it? It all stems from that. And I feel like that's why women are more vocal and expressive because of all the things that we were doing in the household, you know, because it came with all those skills. And because men weren't doing that, they lack those skills. And that's why they don't like, they're not like me and Mariah were actually just talking about this yesterday, how men are not as emotionally vulnerable because they don't like know how to like go about certain things or how to express how they're feeling. And I feel like it really does stem from, the things that they're doing in the home. And because they were so laid back and spoon fed, they're, they're thinking, okay, I'm cool. I could just chill and not have any responsibility or have any accountability or do anything for myself. So it's like, you know what I mean? It really does affect their relationships. And so I know personally for me, like when I have boys, like I'm going to instill that in them, you know, talk to them on a day-to-day basis, have them express how they're feeling, you know, and not, you know, be so rude and be like, oh, suck it up. You're a man. Like who, who cares? Who gives a shit? Honestly, like you are a person, you have feelings and you should be able to express them. And I'm going to have them in the kitchen with me, cooking with me, because these are skills that they need to know how to do so they can help their wife. They cannot sit there and expect their wife to cook for them after 12 hour shift, after eight hour shift to come home, stand on their feet and be in that kitchen and cook for two plus hours. With them. They got to also get up and cook too, or help them. Like, that's just what I believe. Or even screw, screw, screw helping the wife. They need to help themselves. Have y'all been to a college boys dorm? Man. A college boys apartment. Yeah. Have you been to a frat house. They don't know. Damn, don't do us like that. Don't do us like Trash can fill up to the brim. Right. You see dirty drawers on the floor. You see stale ramen noodles in the sink. Yes. Everything. Cooking and cleaning are a life skill. They're yeah. not gonna be they're not gonna be married as soon as they turn 18 and move out to the house and go to college. They're going to be starting that as soon as they start school. Uh, Absolutely. That that's when it starts. It starts not when you got grown men calling their mama talking about how do I get a doctor's appointment? Or how do I <laughs> how do I start the, the washer dryer? How, right. How, how do I write a checkbook? You don't know how to write. Why the chat? At this point, it's common sense. Yeah, yeah common it's, sense. you know, for me, thankfully, you know, I was, um, you know, I have my dad in my life, um, but thankfully, um, the majority of the people who raised me were strong women. And so, you know, on Saturday mornings, trust and believe, they came in that room at 7 a.m., get your ass up, excuse my language, but get up, you're going to clean, you're going to learn to iron, wash clothes, scrub the floors. The only thing I didn't take to was cooking. I wish I would have learned more how to cook and everything, but um, they they really instilled in me those values. And I think that's helped me um, a, a lot as an adult um, because now I don't see like chores as, oh, well, that's just a woman's job to do, or I'm just going to wait till my mama visit me to clean up and cook and whatever <laughs> you know and so on i'm going to do it myself you know and it also helped me i think that's why i have you know a, um 
good communication skills or whatever because I was able to learn how to voice my opinions and express these things. And and I'm really thankful um, that I had a plethora of, you know, strong, um, very strict <laughs> Black women um, around me. Um, but, that, you know, uh, they instilled that love and that and good character in me and, and not not to be oh you since you're a boy you can sit down and, and your sister just going to take out the garbage and I mean or or cook and clean or iron clothes whatever like as a as an adult I do all that stuff myself I don't need anyone to do that and so um, yeah I think we can we can pit stop here Jane what you think this is beautiful like I always say health is wealth take care of your mental forget everybody else take care of yourself take care of yourself health is wealth enjoy the rest of this summer. I know it's hot as hell here in California. Mm. You know, before we do get off, um, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm mad that, see, Black people, we got to do better when it comes to organizing festivals. Because I know damn well that's why yeah. you canceled that. So yes, I understand monkeypox is around and everything. We got to be very careful. But trust and believe it's because they probably didn't get stage permits and park <laughs> permits and, and probably couldn't pay these people on time, the advances and whatever. I was really excited for this Lost in Rhythm. Me, me too. Me too. I, want, I want so I much better for my people. I want so much better for my people. So much I want better. people who are not African to realize that like it really does suck to like not have these op- these opportunities don't come often <laughs> i remember there was a time when um i was upset that i didn't get to see one of my favorite artists i got to see the last five minutes of their performance and one of my black american friends she's like my best friend she's like it's okay like you, like he's gonna have like another performance soon he's probably going on tour soon again and i was like i hope you understand he's been out for about five years now this is his first tour in america you know and now artists are having tours because they're making up from covid and it really does suck that like you know africans we have to go out the country to get this experience or we have to travel across the country where you know like it's if you want to experience black american culture you know you can go anyway that's like like two festivals i know that was run by like africans got canceled it was one in la by niger nation they yes, got canceled. The Nation one. Mm. Yeah, canceled. The one in San Jose, the one we recently talking about, Rhythm Nation, got canceled. It's just like, that hyped us so much. I'm super excited, especially when it's in your hometown. You don't have to travel that far to see these artists. You have, it's, it's pretty, like Mara said, it's pretty hard to get to see them live because they in Nigeria mm-hmm. or Ghana or whatever. It's, it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, I'll say, I know my people. <laughs> depression i'm used to it it's so disappointing because it's like i just want better for our africans like honestly we deserve this festival like we've all been stressed through covid and now monkey pox i really was looking forward to this as a break to just be with my friends i miss you guys you know what i mean Mm. and like now it's not happening and it's just like africans are so unreliable it's like you know, they promised you that cancel. They promised you this can't make it. It's just one thing after the other. We need to do better. <laughs> yeah, that's what they need. People like us running these festivals. No, seriously. seriously. Pull through at like one of the smallest CSUs, one of the largest African culture shows like in the state. 
man, imagine what we could have done. Mm, <laughs> we could have had our own We're so organized and We're timely. So organized. And tight knit too. Tight knit. Yes. We're very <laughs> talented, very smart. We sense. Very smart. We got sense. We I sense. think the problem is they're doing too much. Just stick to the basic. It is true. They they no, true. They bit off more than they can chew. Honestly, that is so freaking true. Africans were always like big, big, big. And then you can't deliver because it's so big. <laughs> Let's yeah. take it one step at a time and work our way up. Yeah. yeah. Africans fail at that for sure. <laughs> well, we need, we need to do better. We need to do better. better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, no, thank you guys for joining us. I know we have less thank than a minute. Um, and y'all stay well, stay healthy, and we'll talk to y'all next time thank you thank you you.